Do you want us to keep producing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there? If so, there's a way you can help. If you enjoy this show, please consider donating to help us pay for the cost of making it available. You can do so by using the PayPal link in the description of the podcast or on social media sites where we post it. Even a small donation would help. Thanks in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. Well, that was a win, but it wasn't really the greatest there. And at least there are the things that can be looked at in this in this upcoming time off that they have. But it wasn't really great tonight. Welcome to Rams Rewind, live here in the VCU Good and the Bad and the Ugly group. If you like what you hear and you want to help us out, shoot us some dinero. There's a link to the PayPal in the description on all your podcast platforms. You've given us a lot of support last year and this year. We really appreciate it. And we thank you for that. And we hope you enjoy our podcasts. And Jason Coppinger, you've got the same feeling I am. He said, I thought it was meh to uh, meh overall. And it was. Um, it was it was a it was a performance that was quite frankly reminiscent of the game against Norfolk State. The good news was is that UMES is nowhere Maryland Eastern Shore is nowhere near as good as Norfolk State, and at VCU at least at the end had a little more energy and played a little better. But this wasn't this wasn't a good performance. Um, not really. They did win by twenty four. Of course, they didn't cover because they had dunk at the end. So VCU might be on the bad beats reel on SportsCenter. They were last week, uh, giving up the three at the end against Temple to, to lose VCU betters that one, and they may have done that too. Um, no, you don't want to do that, Bradley Heath. You don't want to have a tequila shot every time I'm mad, especially during a, during a VCU game because that might not be good. <laughs> uh, Commander's game, at this point, I don't care because they need to lose. But, yeah, it was not good to free throw shooting uncharacteristically bad night from the foul line uh, by their standards, although they had a really bad start. And for a while, they looked like they were getting it. They were starting to make their stuff. But yeah, you don't expect, uh, you're a little disappointed to see VCU going 14 for 22 from the foul line, uh, 63%. So that's going to hurt their average a little bit. You do like seeing them get to the foul line uh, at that clip. But yeah. Uncharacteristically bad night there. Not a great night from outside. Some of that was some quick trigger threes they didn't need to take. Um, what are the main things to take away from? Well, first, we got Sean Barristow back, and he was definitely rusty, and I felt like he was pressing a lot in the first half. He was 0 for 4. So, actually, the second half, Barristow was really good. Four out of five from the from the field, three out of four from the foul line, 11 points. You know, driving, being physical and driving to the basket and taking the contact and finishing because that's what we've lacked so often, and you saw it again tonight. You know, Kawani did something really good in the second half doing that. First half, he had some opportunities and didn't. Um. Yeah, the rebounds, that was that was actually a bigger problem in the first half. 
It was a big problem in the first half. They had they had issues. They they only ended up 19 apiece. They had they did a lot better in the second half on total rebounds, but offensive rebounds ended up 6-6. Good thing for VCU was they took advantage of the second chance points. You Maryland Eastern Shore did not. But it was a lot of stuff like that, Bruce. Little things. You know, one-handed rebounds, saw a few of those. Fats Phillips was a was a offender in that regard. Didn't like that. Uh, guys running down the floor before the ball was secured. Saw that a couple times. Didn't like that. Early in the game, uh, Maryland Eastern Shore was getting inside, and they would wait for the they would wait for everybody to come to the ball, and then slip it off to somebody else and get easy baskets. And and they and then VCU really did do a good job tightening up on that in the second half, and that was good. But again, you can't do these things when we get to this conference play. Uh, uh, and, and that's, you know, those are the things that are a problem. And of course, missing the foul shots. Uh, Bear, I do like Barristow bringing up the ball up the floor too, Jason Coppinger, mainly because when I think Shulga and Jackson both can be more effective without bringing the ball up the floor. I think, I think part of the problem is because they had to play so many minutes they had to bring up, it was either one or the other bringing them up the ball up the floor I like seeing Bell bring it up. I like seeing Barstow bring it up. I like seeing Nelson bring it up. You know, those things, those are really, that's what you're kind of looking for. And look, let's you want to find some positives? Here's some positives. VCU only had eight turnovers. Eight. That's it. 15 assists on 27 made baskets. You'd like a little more assists on 27 made baskets, but that's pretty good. Jason Nelson. Seven assists, no turnovers. <laughs> I mean, Jason Nelson tonight. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to imagine saying a player who only scored three points is the player of the game. But Jason Nelson hustling on defense, making so many good decisions. You know, second half of the game, he drives in there at the end of the shot clock, and I'm like, oh, he's he's done himself here. He's driven right into a blind alley, and he's gonna have to hoist something up. He's so calm and patient, and he kicks it out, and he finds, I think it's Shulga, and Shulga knocks it down. And and Max Shulga, here's the other thing. You know, we've been so frustrated with shot selection, both Jackson and Shulga in some cases. Max Shulga only takes five shots tonight, gets 14 points. He's four for five. Beautiful. You know, uh, uh, doggone, uh, and Zeb Jackson, look, wasn't his night. He's only one for three. He only gets three points. But what are you not doing? You're not shooting yourself out of the game, taking bad shots because you're worried about your offense. So Zeb gets – Zeb, it's not going to look like a great game to anybody. Zeb gets an attaboy for me on that one because that's the sort of thing too. And to go back to Nelson real quick, Bruce Stevenson, you and a few other people on Twitter said the same thing. Jason Nelson not only doing his Briante Weber impersonation, Jason Nelson making that hustle play to get Billups the ball and Billups a basket late. It's a 24-point game in the last minute he's doing that. And that is just – that's why you love that kid so much. But what you really love tonight from Jason Nelson was just the way he conducted the orchestra. Again, seven assists, no turnovers. <laughs> I mean, every night give me that. Every night, give me that. And again, it's not going to be Nelson every night. 
Uh, and good to see you, Jason Coppinger. Thank you. Uh, some nights I'll be Zeb. Remember Zeb? Uh, I don't know which game it was. It was might have been the, even been the last game. Zeb had seven assists, one turnover. Shulga's had some nights like that. It isn't going to be the same guy every night, and that's good because, again, you just can't automatically really load up on somebody to stop them. Uh, Frank Height, that's going to be the issue is the minutes. But here's the thing. What I think we've got in this team is a great group of guys that are not going to be overly concerned with the doggone with the with the doggone what they're scoring, how many shots they're getting up. Again, there was some pressing early from Barstow. He took some shots I didn't like. Bamisil, you know, he made a couple threes early, so then he took a couple quick trigger threes I didn't like. Nelson took one that I didn't like. But in by and large, you didn't see a lot of selfish play out there on offense. What you saw at times was, I mean, it was a blah game. I mean, they didn't start out terrible. And they got up, you know, they got out to 37-20 near the end of the half. They didn't roar at the end of the half. But you're like, okay, 14-point game and a half. That's, that's right on track. That's not bad. And then they just kind of slept walk through about five or six minutes. And the energy just wasn't there the way it should have been. And I think that's what was a little frustrating. And then, you know, get that last seven, eight minutes. You know, Kawani made some plays. Nelson made some plays. And they started to get going. And I think the key is going to be that that all these players understand this. It ain't going to be – the game isn't going to come to you every night, but it is going to come to you. You just have to give it time. And, and, and you know, things like – Things like Zeb only taking three shots, Shulga only taking five shots. I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that because they're playing, they're not thinking about their offense first. They're thinking about the team. And if I get that, their time's going to come. Zeb, will, I mean, Zeb does not have to worry about it in this regard. He's going to be starting a good chunk of the time. Although, again, He's not a bad he's not a bad thought coming off the bench because he was a very effective player coming off the bench last year. And there are going to be nights when they're going to load up on Shulga and Barristow, and Zeb's going to just eat them alive, slash into the basket, you know, getting layups and dunks and all that. They drifted a little Daniel Carter, but they at least stopped. And they really played with good energy the last eight minutes. I mean, they were flat for a good chunk of this game. And I'm guessing in one of them timeouts, Ryan Odom might have got in them, got into them a little bit because they started to play with some really good energy at about the under eight timeout, and that's when the game blew way out uh, to what it did. Um, but look, here are some signposts for you tonight. Toby Lawall has been such a such a big contributor. He only had one shot tonight, and he only had one point. He did have seven rebounds. Zeb Jackson. He's such a big contributor, he only had three points tonight. So, again, we're starting to get that situation now where it's going to be somebody different every every night. Bruce Stevenson, you're right. They haven't really played 40 full minutes of good, good, clean, crisp basketball. But that's been the situation because there's been upheaval. You know, they had Bamisil and Barristow, then they didn't. Guys were playing a lot of minutes, and it was hard for them to sustain the efforts all the way through. 
And I think we're going to see it. I thought we'd see it tonight. I thought VCU was going to blast Maryland Eastern Shore into bits tonight, you know. But this was sort of – it wasn't quite as good as the as the original test of the Death Star on Jetta City in, in Rogue One. But we'll, we'll get to that. We will get to those sorts of things. And, again, I still think this Death Star is going to be fully armed and operational. And if it is by the time we play St. Bonaventure January 3rd, that's when people are going to sit up and take notice. And, and this too, and I said this during the thread, you wonder if they were a team that was really looking forward to that 10 days off that's coming up. Or eight days off, excuse me. I don't know why I said 10. I keep saying that. Eight days off. I keep thinking it's the 20th. The eight days off coming up. Because it's going to be one of the longest breaks they get. Maybe the longest break they have for the rest of the year. So I kind of think that that might have contributed a little bit. That they might have just been a little bit. They might have been kind of peeking and saying to themselves, you know what, you know, we're about to get this break. We're going to win pretty easily. And, and you know, that, that and that's why you kind of got the effort you got. And, again, I don't love it. It wasn't a great performance by any stretch of the imagination. But, again, here's the other thing. Offensively, they were kind of all over the place at times. They didn't shoot the ball well from the outside. They didn't shoot the free throws well. And yet they got 75. And this wasn't even a really good offensive night, and you got Sean Barristow playing his first game. Again, the potential here is way up there. The potential here is to have a team that quite regularly scores in the 80s and 90s. Because, again, this wasn't a great performance by any stretch, even though they almost shot 50%, and they still got 75 points. Again, they're going to face better teams than UMES in conference play. So you you do take that into account. So, again, this wasn't great, and it wasn't as good as what we wanted in that regard, but you can, but you can absolutely see where this is going to go if, if, they, if they continue to improve, if they continue to get used to each other, if, you know, if Bearstow continues to get integrated more, you can see where this can go. And look, 15 assists, 8, eight turnovers. Again, we haven't been doing that a lot. Nearly two to one assist to turnover. That's what you're looking for. And that is and I mean they were they were the shot selection was a lot better tonight, except for a few things, except for a few possessions. There's a couple times where they didn't take care of the ball very well, but you're not gonna argue with eight turnovers in a game. You're not. Eight turnovers is a fabulous effort uh against I don't care who it is. So like I say, you know, this 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 wasn't I think we expected a real explosion because you had Barristow and you got so many weapons. But I think that's coming. Don't know if it's gonna come at Gardner against Gardner Wim or St. Bonavich or whoever. It's coming. They're going to do that to somebody. When they do, it will be a hell of a sight. Because again, they've got firepower. And I wanna praise this too for for this team. I love seeing Furman getting the ball early like that on the block. You got to reward your big men, especially when they play well. And Furman and Lawal both didn't have didn't get near the rewards for some of the good plays they made the last few games. And I kind of wonder if Ryan Odom noticed that and said, "Hey, let's let's get Furman and let's get Furman and Lawal, Furman or Lawal, one of them involved early and get them going." 
and they did that, and Christian Furman ends up with 11 points. You know, tremendous. Got to be a little bit tougher around the rim a couple times. That was a little frustrating, but uh, but again, a pretty good performance. He had a couple blocks too. I think he had two or three blocks in that game, so we kind of like that. Um, he had four blocks, so not that far off the triple nickel for old for old Christian tonight. You know, one block and two rebounds short uh, from that. So you know, tip your tip your cap to him on that one. Uh, so that was a really good game from Furman tonight. And again, you know. You can't do it all the time, obviously. But when your big men play well, when they make good plays on the defensive end, when they really come up with something for you, got to reward them. And I feel like it was overdue, and I think that's why we saw Furman get the ball tonight. I think it, and it's also, for me, it's a good tone setter. I loved seeing that they were dunking the ball early. They were getting inside, and they were finishing with the jam. And that, I mean, that's how they made, I think they either had two or three of their first four shots were layups or dunks and, and that they made, and that's what you want. Get those easy baskets. Get yourself into offensive rhythm. Get the crowd hyped up. Get the confidence of seeing that ball go through the hoop and seeing you get an easy basket because you really run great offense. That's what we want to see. That's what we're looking for. That's how you start the game there. And, yeah, Kawani had some great layups. What I really loved was the one when he took it baseline, created some contact to give himself the space, and then banked it in there. That was beautiful. That's what we need more of. Again, this team still has an issue with being a little bit afraid to take the contact or anticipating contact and then missing because it's not there. you got to – Get your mind out of that space, players. And and anybody that's watching this that's that's a young kid, you've got to worry about making the shot and you can't worry about that other stuff. Because if I mean if you because when your focus is divided like that, that's how you get those misses at the rim. Because it really is, it, it it's not about, I mean, you can't just assume, oh, I'm about to get hit here. And, and trying to draw the foul on that is just not the way to play because you can't rely on the refs to call it all the time. I mean, Jason Nelson, one of his misses, I mean, he's clearly fouled and they don't call it. And it was really a terrible effort on the layup. And it was because he was fouled, but that's the point. You're not always going to get that call and you can't assume it and you can't try to draw it because – it's one thing when you're out on the perimeter and you're doing what Sholga does and you're waiting for the defender to stick his hand in and you make sure he sticks his hand in and contacts you and then it's a foul. That's one thing. I don't have a problem with that. It's when you're it's when you're going to the basket and your first priority should be making the basket and instead you're worried about drawing a foul. That's what what um um uh, Scott Harris with Wheeler. He didn't play a lot at Louisville, and and I just again I'm I'm wondering I'm wondering if if that that he's if that he's just really needs a lot of work, and that he didn't because Louisville's a mess too. You wonder if he just didn't get the coaching and didn't get the work in practice that he needs to develop himself, and and right now he's just finding it. The speed of the game is too much for him. And 
you know, and it's just it's not coming easy to him like I'm sure it did to John Marshall. And I think he's struggling with that. I mean, focus is an issue with this team. It's a big issue with Wheeler, but it's a big issue with this team in general is that sometimes their minds are just elsewhere. And and you saw it a couple times tonight. There was a couple of offensive rebounds Maryland Eastern Shore got where these are terrible shots. And and VCU players are just standing there instead of going to get the ball. It's like, go and get it. Because yeah, sometimes you're sometimes you're making a mistake and the ball take a funny bounce and you went to go get it and you miss. That's okay. I'll be frustrated because they got the rebound, but at least you're trying to get it. But wait, just standing there and saying, oh, it's just gonna bounce right to me. You don't know that. You don't know that. And the, and the greatest rebounder that ever lived, Dennis Rodman, didn't get a lot of those rebounds. He went and got the basketball. Uh, and that's what that's what the player – and that's the thing. There's just the, – like the reason they didn't blow Maryland Eastern Shore out tonight, and, it's, and it kind of goes back to the Temple game and some of these other games, is that they just – their focus is just not quite there yet. It's not at the level it needs to be because even if it's for – even if it's for a possession or a couple minutes or whatever, they'll just be somewhere else. And you're like, okay, come on, come on, come back to our terra firma here and focus on what's going on. And by the way, tales from the non-conference temple, not doing us any favors. Uh, temple loses to old dominion at that diamond head classic 78, 63 big bounce back for ODU after they got blasted by TCU. You can't blame them though. Cause of the Jeff Jones deal. Uh, UMES was projected low because they 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 lost so many of their contributors. They won 18 games last year and were the fourth seed in that tournament and really gave Howard some issues in the semifinal before losing. I mean, so UMES is projected to struggle. I will say I, I'm a big fan of that coach, and I think that they're a team that's going to be a lot more improved when they get to the end of the season. But they're projected to finish fairly low. So – you know that's you know that's going to be that's going to be the deal with them all year. All right, so eight days off now. December thirtieth, which is a Saturday, Gardner Webb, the final, the final non-conference game of the season. In between that time and today, we will have another uh, episode of Rams Rewind for you. We're going to bring back an old friend of ours, Rocco Miller to talk about not just VCU's non-conference performance, but the whole A-10 and really take a forensic look at where the A-10 is at, what kind of a chance do they have for two or even three bids, you know, because by the time we record that, we are going to be down to almost the end of of non-conference play. I mean, when you look tonight, we had a bunch of teams play tonight. And then let's see, Duquesne's got the 23rd. UMass is playing Christmas Eve. They've got one. Uh, Loyola Chicago's playing. Actually, we got a conference game. The first conference game of the season is the 29th. And then you got a whole mess of non-conference games the 30th. And that's it. After the thir- after December 30th, that is it. So we're down to one, maybe two non-conference games left for most of these teams. It's usually it's really kind of one or – yeah, it's one or two. So we're going to have pretty much the full picture about where this conference stands. And that's what we're going to get into in that episode. And again, 
for the folks out there that say, oh, VCU doesn't have a chance because of this, that, and the other, this team, presuming they're healthy the rest of this season, this team is going to be evaluated a lot more for the games that they had Joe Bamisil and Sean Barristow than they are for the games without. So keep that in mind, especially as, again, the conference is performing well. There are potential quad one and lots of quad two games and games that could become quad one games in the conference schedule. So we're going to look at all that with Rocco Miller. That's going to be out after Christmas. To give you a little Rams rewind as we have this nice long eight-day break, which the players definitely need, uh, and I'm looking and I'm looking forward to recording that uh, after Christmas and getting you getting you that stuff. So thank you, everybody in the game threads. If you're not a member of the VCU Bet Good and the Bad and the Ugly group, you should be because the game threads are really fun. Uh, VCU by the numbers, which we do at Wednesday or Thursday, looking at where VCU stands in terms of Ken Pomeroy and their offensive and defensive efficiency and tempo, where they stand in the net, where other teams in our conference stand in the net. Um, you know, we folk, uh, their proficiency at foul shooting, which is, which is coming into the fore, which wasn't in evidence tonight, but has come to the fore in general and been fantastic. Their issues with turnovers, although who knows, maybe that's starting to change now. Uh, you know, they've been really way down there in turnover margin, but they've had a very good turnover margin the last two games. Uh, so that's going to help them in that regard. And maybe they can, you know, climb out of the bottom 30 or 40, which is where they've been to something kind of respectable. And if they do, that means they'll have a very good uh, conference season. So we have that. A-10 Brethren is almost done because that's what we do for non-conference play. We put that away until postseason hoping that we get a lot of teams in postseason. So we'll be around the A-10 before long. We always have an A-10 scoreboard up. We're always looking at what our non-conference teams are doing, tails in the non-conference. That's why you should be a member, plus these live videos where we get great comments, as always, from all of you. And thank you, as ever, for those comments. Uh, Merry Christmas to all of you in our group. Merry Christmas to all of you out in podcast land. Thank you for listening. And again, we're going to see you right after Christmas with another episode. Thanks so much. Uh, and look, it'll be a lot. We hope we can get through these eight days as quick as possible to get back to another VCU game. Have a good night, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.